0: In the study of our lesson or series in Ecclesiastes, tonight we'll be uh, again in that study in verses 12 through 18 of chapter one, searching and seeking for answers. Solomon did, the preacher there, the the son of David, uh, the king in Jerusalem there. uh, We've noted thus far the consistency of both, if you remember the last time that we studied together, um, the consistency of both the natural world and the nature of man. uh, In Solomon's quest for life's meaning, he begins a search through various avenues of life. And really only to discover, if you remember, That seeking meaning in anything in this life is, as he mentions many times, vexation there, the grasping at the wind or the word vanity. He even realizes, if you remember, that tragically man doesn't even learn from the past. And the next generation is doomed to repeat the failures of history. You know, when you think about it and look at it that way, it's really um, sad if you think about it, how <clears throat> one generation doesn't learn from the past of another generation. Uh, I guess in some things maybe we have, but overall, we we really had not have we? You take our own uh, families and our own children sometimes. They have to make the same mistake that we've made sometimes to even really realize well they knew what they were talking about how many times have you said that as an adult uh when i was growing up i I thought at the age of i guess probably 12 10 11 12 up to probably 20 maybe 21 22 that i had figured life out i knew everything about it my parents and my grandparents were the were the the most unlearned and ignorant people there ever was. What do you mean, I would say? What are you thinking? Telling me that this is gonna hurt me or I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't do that. Uh, Many of us experienced that. I'm sure you did, I know I did. But in our text tonight, we find the beginning of his search as he seeks with wisdom to understand what life is all about. In verses 12 and 13, he says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. You know, we could turn that or say looking for answers. Looking for answers is a good thing in a lot of different areas. If we don't understand something or if we're not fully learned, I guess we could say, on something, it's good that we look for answers. According to Acts 17, in verse 30 and 31, if you read that with me, and you're very familiar with the passage, but in Acts 17, in verse 30 and 31, the Bible reads, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. Or he overlooked but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead you see, ignorance is not pleasing to God. The book of Hosea, in chapter 4 and verse 6, my people are destroyed because of a what? Lack of knowledge. You see, Paul wrote letters so that we would not be ignorant. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, he says to the, the people there at Corinth, He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And in the book of Romans, in chapter 11, in verse 25, Paul writes again. And he says in verse 25, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, that you should be wise in your own conceits. That blindness or a hardening is part uh, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, and we could go on and on. If you remember the brethren at Berea, were fair minded in Acts chapter seventeen, there verse eleven. They were what searching the scriptures daily. So Solomon writes in 12 and 13, a heart to seek and to search. Looking for answers, <clears throat> again, is a good thing. You know, I wondered some time ago when I was very young, and I say young, I was, I was on up in teenage, upper teenage years and early 20s. When I came to a point in my life, and you say, well, you were probably raised in the Church of Christ. And I, and I was, I, to one, I, in one sense. Uh, I was raised. My mother was a member of the Lord's Church. My grandfather on her side. But the other side of my family was not. And even on my grandfather's side. One was of the Baptist uh, faith. One was of the Methodist faith. And I wondered very seriously i was very seriously concerned looking for answers of why was i a member of the church of christ and i went on a search i went on a search looking for those answers was i a member of the church of christ because my mother taught me that was i a member of the church of christ because My grandfather was a gospel preacher. Why was I not with the other side of the family? Why was I not in this belief? And I seriously went on a search to look for those answers. And in that search, in my heart, I had to truly be understanding with myself And to have an open heart to read the Bible and to prove to myself why I believed the way I believed. You know, here in Solomon, he applied his heart to seek and search out by wisdom all things done under heaven. You know, in other lessons before we've addressed what the heart involves... And it's when we think of the heart, we think of that which is is central to who we really are, our, our innermost person, if you will. And I refer back to that study time that I went through of months and months in studying the Bible. And I came to the passages in the Bible in the book of Romans where the churches of Christ salute you. I found in Matthew 16 and verse 18 that our Lord was talking there and he told Peter upon this rock I will build my church. Who was speaking? Jesus Christ. And I found that that church in my study on Acts 2 and 38 and on into verse 47 of Acts chapter 2. Where on that day of Pentecost that they were told to repent and be baptized. And that they added to the church Acts 2 and verse 47 daily such as should be saved. And then I kept reading in the epistles and, and the, the Corinthians and all, and I found that the Lord's church was meeting on every first day of the week. And I found out that they were, were the Christians there were taking of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. And, and one side of my family didn't do that, but the other side did. But I searched with an open heart, and I wanted to know the truth about the matter. And let me tell you tonight that if you want to know the truth, you have to go right here. That's where I went. I didn't go to some man's belief or some man's thought. Oh, I could have went to my grandfather and I could have said, teach me why I am a member of the church of Christ. I could have went to the other side and said, teach me why I should be a member of the Baptist or the Methodist or, or whatever. And probably each one would have given me probably a pretty good understanding. But I knew that each person was going to have their own belief on those things. So the only true way for me to find out where I needed to be was right here. I knew there was a right and there was a wrong way. And I believed and knew that the Bible was the right way you see Solomon's search just as our search should be was a heartfelt search meaning that it was not some superficial uh, uh, search and God expects us to whatever we to do that whatever we do that we do it with all of our heart Matthew 22 and verse 37 and Colossians 3 if you remember in verse 23 tells us that whatever we do, do it heartily. Be reminded of how God calls for us to give him our best. Later on in this book of Ecclesiastes in about chapter 8, Solomon, he learned to apply, to, he applied his heart to know. He was seeking and searching by wisdom all things. And this was not a half-hearted search. He was seeking with all his heart. Now I want you to go with me to the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians in chapter 3, this is how we should search. This is how Solomon searched. And anyone who wants to know the truth and really the the God's honest truth, as we say sometimes, this is what we're going to do. Colossians chapter 3 in verse 1 reads and says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. In verse 2 he says, set your affection or your mind on things above and not on things on the earth. And in our seeking with a heartfelt search, we're reminded of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So again, he was searching by wisdom all things. Tonight I ask, as we, as we are seeking to be pleasing to God, are, are we doing it in apply, doing it by applying our hearts? How many today approach their search with flawed methods? In search of wisdom, in search of the knowledge, That God wants you and I to have according to the scriptures of the way that he wants you and I to live our lives. How he wants you and I to become Christians. How he wants you and I to live once we become Christians. How he wants us to raise our children. How he wants us to worship on the first day of the week. And yes, that does matter. It matters how we worship. In what we do in our worship. And we find it all right here. But again, are we pleasing God? Or are we using flawed methods? You'll say, well, what do you mean? What are flawed methods? Do we search for the truth in religion and the correct religion? with preconceived ideas? What does that mean? Do we come to the table of searching and studying with, well, I have already have my mind made up. I don't care whoever's talking to me or whoever's trying to teach me, I'm not going to change from what I know. You see, often just like I refer to my job as teaching and working with children and, and working with behavior children and those types of things and discipline and consequences and all those things. And I always make this analogy. <coughs> we, have, we usually discipline our children and apply consequences and raise our children on, based upon how we were raised and disciplined, Usually. That's usually how we know how to deal with things; it's from our own experiences. The same principle applies with religion, but in, in religion, it's too valuable. Our souls are too valuable to go upon because you know I, everything that my parents did. I, I want to feel like was right, but I can, as I older I get, I realize that they made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> And the more I, the time I raise my children, I realize that, that I've made a lot of mistakes raising my children. So there's sometimes that our, we as children have to look back and say, well, you know, that exactly wasn't right. I need to do better with that. Now, it doesn't mean that we condemn our parents because everybody's human, aren't they? And they make mistakes. But in the search, as we talk about Solomon here, and as we talk about our search for the true religion and the truth in Christ, we don't need to come to the table with flawed ideas and preconceived ideas intending to prove that we already believe regardless of what the truth that we hear. You know, in the Bible, in John chapter 12 and verse 48, he says that one day we are going to be judged... By these words. Did you know that verse was in there? John 12 and 48. It's just like when we were in college or if you're in college again like myself. When I am given a assessment or I am giving a test to take. They want to know my knowledge of whatever we are studying for that week or that term. And I've had several classes. Right now, I'm in an educational law class, learning all the laws about education, having to write paper after paper after paper. Well, if they're going to give me a test on educational law class and the content in which I've learned in that test, I would not go back to my administrative internship one class and study that material, why? because I have, wouldn't have the right content, would I? I wouldn't have what I need to understand to be able to pass the, the grade or the, te- the test that I'm being given. One day, if you want to say it this way, we're going to be given a test on the day of judgment when we stand before God, and John twelve forty eight says that what's between this cover and this cover is what you're going to be tested on or what you're going to be judged on. So common sense, if we want to say, which we don't have a lot of in America anymore, common sense says that I need to study what's here and I need to do what's here rather than what's outside of that. If I'm going to stand and be judged by the content in which I live by. So in the search of the truth, We need to always come to the table with an open heart and an open mind. You know, oh, I could have said when I was in the search of the truth, I could have said, well, I really believe this grandfather over here was the one that was correct. Well, it really wasn't up to me to decide which grandfather was correct, to be honest with you. God already decided that in His Word. Both of my grandfathers were, were decent men. Well, one of them was a lot better than the other one. <laughs> we put it that way. But they were in their ways, good men. But are we sincere about our search? Are we wanting to look for the real answers You know, searching without the need for faith, we must realize our need to trust God with whatever answers we might receive. You know, when I sit down to study with someone that has any background of religion or not any religion, the first thing that I have to and you have to establish is that this book is what? Authority. That if it says it in here, we're going to do it. You see, that's where I had to come to that if it said it in this Bible, in God's Word, the inspired Word of God, I had to do that. I couldn't go, well, well, I just don't believe that that's what that means. I couldn't use that. I had to be sincere in that search, and I had to be willing to receive the truth, whether the truth I liked it or whether I didn't like it or agreed with it or whatever That's what led me to understand and to know that I was right where I needed to be in religion as a member of the Lord's church because I found it here. You see, thinking man knows better than God is dangerous. Many men and people through the years have thought that they know better than what God has instructed. How many today refuse to even give consideration of the possibility that there is even a God? Think about that. Not many. Some still believe in God, but there are a lot today who do not. And we're told in Scripture after Scripture, in Psalm 14 and verse 1, in Romans 1 and verse 20, that there is a God, the attributes of God. We had a study on that not too long ago. Why we believe in God. And you know, when we're making this search as Solomon did, when we are seeking from the heart, and we are seeking with sincerity, we must be pre- prepared to find different answers than we want and accept the truth. But again, the question is, do you or do i really want the truth you see that's the question the second thing tonight in verse 13 a burdensome task is given to the sons of men you see we are wired with a desire to know things we we want to know things as I've said many, many times before, we are one of the most plugged in generations that has ever existed. We are updated, we are notified. In verse 11, uh, if you go back to the, uh, He has put eternity in our hearts. And you take in in 13 there, he says, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. With sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. You see, this part of being created in the image of God, we can reason and think about matters beyond our own mere survival. Survival. And that's really what sets us apart from the animal kingdom. But with our minds, we do think and we reason. We contemplate meaning and consider what's going on around us. And really, this could be a good thing or a bad thing. And But we need to know this, that it will affect us or how, and it will affect how we view everything in life. Many today... When you think about it, however begin to find answers that they don't like, and what do they usually do, especially in religion, they quit, don't they? When people find what answers, and they say, well, I I don't agree with that, or I I just don't understand that, or whatever, and and when we come to a a conclusion, we say, well, I'll just quit, and if I quit, it'll be okay. (laughs) You see, we don't have the obligation to quit, or we don't have the responsibility to quit. We have the obligation to continue, don't we? Yeah, to find the truth. You know, recent surveys show that more than 20% of Americans are unaffiliated when it comes to religion, meaning they're either atheists, agnostics, or they fall into this category. They refuse to commit. There's a lot of people who are falling into that. A lot of people will say, Well, I, I believe in God and I believe in His ways, but I'm just not going to commit because I, I, if I commit to this, I, I'm, I'm taking and condemning a lot of my family. You see, I had to go through that in my search. I'm thoroughly convinced that on one side of my family, they didn't know the whole truth. But I can promise you that they loved me enough that if I found the truth, they would want me to take it. I'm convinced of that. It's just like finding the cure for some dreaded disease. and They might not have a cure now, But years from now, would you say, I'm not gonna take that cure because mom and daddy died of that. Same thing in religion, isn't it? Same principle. You see, understand that a refusal to consider our eternal fate will by no means excuse us of the consequences. You say, what do you mean? Some people wanna say, that, well, I, I'm just going to take my chances. I've lived the way I've lived, and my family's lived the way they lived, and, and we've got along just, just fine. But you know what? As we studied, as we began this lesson, it says at one time God winked at ignorance or overlooked, but now he commands every man to repent. We have to, we have an obligation to consider our eternal fate where you and I will live eternally. I promise you that there is a life beyond this life. The Bible teaches that. Your soul, your innermost person will dwell in one or two places. You know what they are. It's heaven or hell when one dies we go into that realm, a waiting place those who are faithful are into the paradise those into Hades the Hadean realm we study that in the story of the rich man and Lazarus don't we but we will live eternally somewhere and you have the responsibility and not only we as parents have responsibility for ourselves personally but we have responsibility for who? Our children. Our children. We're responsible for our children. I'm responsible for the three children that God blessed me with. But you know, we are responsible for our eternal fate. Nor will futility or frustration excuse you. A refusal to consider our eternal life. Well, I just don't know if there is a place beyond this life. Well, there is. Frustration will not excuse you. The Lord will not look at you and so say, I know you were frustrated and you were in between things and you didn't understand. No, God, God's not going to overlook that. He's not going to overlook not knowing everything is, is also not an excuse. How tragic there are so many today that want to find answers to why we are here. And they want to find answers in spiritual matters, and yet they refuse to consider the only alternative that gives real purpose, and that's a loving God. You see, the burdensome task of life can either turn us away from God or draw us to Him. The choice is really our own, isn't it? It is. It's our own choice. So you think about it. In verses fourteen and fifteen, Solomon says, "I have seen all the works done under the sun." Solomon was thorough in his search, as we've noted. Yet when our pursuits are limited to this life, all is vanity. Think of the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Whose life was what? Required of him. And Jesus said next, he said, So is he that lays up treasures for himself and not is rich toward God. You See, we need to understand that what is crooked cannot be made straight. In verse 15. There are some things we cannot change. There are things about life that we are powerless to change them. Some seems to also be true of the way men misbehave. We just have to accept them and adapt. But realize that this doesn't mean we should not try to make things better around us. What man cannot change, guess what? God can See, that's good stuff right there. What I can't change in my life, what I can't make better, God can. And we have to believe that with all our heart. In verses 16 and 18, he says, I communed with my heart. He considered what he had learned and accomplished And there was a difference between acquiring knowledge and applying it. He had applied it or at least weighed it in, if you will. He considered his resources, his wisdom from God, and his greatness as a king of influence. But Solomon determined to know wisdom as well as madness, rash and extreme behavior and folly. And Solomon engaged in some of it all. To some degree. You see, you and I don't have to engage in foolishness and madness. Because we know. Don't we? We know what life's about. We know the mystery. We know the blood of Christ saves. We know the one church. We know the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism. We know that there's a heaven and a hell. We know all these things because God has revealed it to us, don't we? All there's things in life we don't understand. You see, for as much as wisdom, he says in, in the scripture, for in much wisdom is much grief. Can you think about observing the foolishness and the madness around us that we seem powerless in the world in which we live? that we can't do anything about it, It produces grief on our part, doesn't it? It does for me. But as Christians, we ought to grieve at the fallen state of this world and our society around us. And notice that he says that he who increases in knowledge also increases in sorrow. Again, in our grieving with wisdom, we see where we are headed. And yet there is no desire for society to change or even to consider true wisdom but there's a realization that more we truly learn and grasp, the more we realize we don't know. You know, he, res- he references there <clears throat> the vanity of trusting in this lie. It's how he introduces the term or the the uh, uh, the note there, grasping for the wind and folly. How are we doing this? As I study this, I want to close just in a couple minutes. But I want you to turn to the book of James and we're going to close with this thought. In the book of James in chapter 4 in verses 13 through 17 as we consider these verses together tonight I cannot help but think of this scripture which describes how you and I should approach this life. How are we doing this? And I want you to think about it. Chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know, not what shall be on the morrow, For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanish away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. But now ye rejoice, or glory in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. How we ought to approach life. How are we handling these things in our life? Do we look on tomorrow as tomorrow may never come? We often say, and as I talked about in our lesson this morning, the Lord's will. If it's the Lord's will, I hope that I will see you on Wednesday night after tonight but I have no idea or have no promise of that because tomorrow is not promised. In our search of life, how well are we doing? In a search of our spiritual life, how well are we doing? We have an obligation, we have a responsibility to search and to know the truth. John says you shall know the truth and what? It will set you free. It will set you free from the sin." And all the things of this life. Jesus says come to me all you that are labor and heavy laden. He says I will give you rest. We have a rest one day promised to us. In the wonderful place called heaven. But are you prepared to go to heaven? Are you a member of the Lord's church? Have you been baptized the way it says to be baptized here? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and added to the church? You say that's the question. Are you in search of that? If you're in search of that and you need help, we will be wonderfully glad to help you in any way. You may be here tonight and ailing and and have fallen away in a sinful condition, and you need to repent and confess of those sins and let us pray with you and for you. We'd love to do that with you tonight. If we can help you in any way tonight, please come. Together we stand, and as we sing,